Is that really in the Bible? Well, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. I, uh, I don't think any of us ever questioned it. We, we assume the traditions around us come uh, straight from the Bible. Most people are educated by the Bible, by what they've been told by others. My minister said so. It's the greatest authority they have. Uh, they wholeheartedly put their trust in another's opinion about the Bible. Well, in seminary school, a man or woman is taught a theology about the Bible. It's a uh, set of beliefs that the student assumes is right. We never ask the question, what if there is some error in the things I've been taught about God? And the real problem is, these errors are passed on to the congregation as absolute truth. Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Question, are you a religious person or are you a spiritual person? Now, the definition of a religious person is a person sitting in church thinking about fishing. A spiritual person is a person fishing thinking about God. And that's the difference between the two. Now, how would I define a religious person? Well, generally, I would think of a person who likes going to church, uh, involved in the Christian holidays, uh, active in church, maybe the children's program, maybe helping out here, there, and yonder. Uh, when it's convenient, talking about God. Um, I would say reads their Bible daily, but I, I think that's not true. Uh, most of the time they do not uh, read their Bibles, nor do they bring their Bibles to church. It's not an issue. It's just an issue of, not an issue of personal study. It's more an issue of just being spoon-fed, sort of like someone drills a hole, the preacher drills a hole in your head and pops a funnel in there and pours in whatever he wants to pour in. That's more about what it's, it's like. I, very few people prove things for themselves, you know, don't believe me, believe your Bible, and, uh, you know, if I can't prove it from the Bible, don't believe me. Well, what is a spiritual person? Well, I'm going to give you a definition of what a spiritual person is. It is a person that has the Spirit of God inside of them and is led by the leadership of that Spirit. That's what a spiritual person is. In other words, the person must have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. And there is a way that you receive the Spirit of God. You don't just receive the Spirit of God because you just feel like it or you raise your hand and, yeah, I accept Jesus. No, there's a way to go about receiving the Spirit of God. Romans 8 and verse 9 says this. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Now, let me clarify something here. In other words, if you have the Spirit of God, you are no longer ruled by the lust of the flesh. Now, only you can personally know the answer to that question of what rules you, what controls you, what you cannot quit, whatever it may be. Only you can answer that question. But this says, you're no longer, if you have the Spirit of God, you're no longer ruled by the lust of the flesh. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, there's the biggest two-letter word in the English language. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, 
He is none of his. Now that is such an absolute statement there that you shouldn't let that slip by you. If any man have not the spirit of God, Christ, he's none of his. There is no connection with God void of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is trickery. This is a little bit tricky here in that you can be deeply religious without having the Spirit of God. In other words, you can go to church, you can sing in the choir, you can lead services, you can do a lot of things without having the Spirit of God. You can be deeply religious, but you cannot be a spiritual person void of the Spirit of God. So are you a religious person or are you a spiritual person? A religious person, a person sitting in church thinking about fishing, a spiritual person is a person fishing, thinking about God. I remember one time I was eating at Bojangles, and across the road is a big old tent church. It was Sunday morning. People were, the, the parking lot was filling up. Woman and man got out, husband and wife. The woman is dressed all nicely in her dress, and he, on the other hand, looks like a cowboy. He's got cowboy boots on, he's got a cowboy hat on, and his whole demeanor said, I don't want to be here. I, you know, I would rather be roping cows, riding a bull or anything, but I do not. You know, sometimes people's body language really speaks volumes if you just watch it. And his body language said, I, I would rather be anywhere but in here, in church. And that's one of the things I love about the Sabbath, that the, the Sabbath command, the fourth commandment, as you study the Sabbath day in, in that command, there's nothing in there about worship. Uh, come to church. Uh, now, I'm not knocking church. I'm just saying the way you connect with God is not by going to church. It is by keeping his Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a day of disconnect. You quit. You stop. You unplug yourself. You just stop. And it is a, it is a day of connectivity with God through nature, through creation, by thinking about God, by studying his word. But I just think it's interesting. So many people have this concept, the way I connect with God first is by going to church. Choose the church of your choice, you know. And that's how I connect with God. Not so. Not so at all. There is a better way to connect with God, and it starts by keeping his Sabbath. Now, when God looks at you, does he see an empty temple, or does he see a temple filled with the Spirit of God? 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 says this, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Man, that's a fascinating. In other words, if your temple is empty, you're a walking corpse. It's like the walking dead. I, I've never watched that show. Don't really want to. I've seen advertisements of it, but that's a good analogy of what people are like, void of the Spirit of God. They're the walking dead. Literally, they're the walking dead. And it says in this verse, you are not your own. If you have the Spirit of God, you no longer own, you no longer own you, God owns you. Okay. Now, most people that you will meet in this world as sad as this is, but it's a true statement, are just empty temples. Now, I didn't say they couldn't go to church and be religious and all that. Yeah, you can do that. 
But most people that you're going to meet are empty temples, just waiting to self-destruct. If you ever needed a reason to have compassion on people, it is just this, that most people that you're going to meet are empty temples. The reason people rub you the wrong way, the reason you can't get along with this person is because they're, the, they're an empty temple. They're the walking dead. And of course you can't get along with them because it's empty. Their temple is empty. All of the anger, hatred, war, the lust that takes what is forbidden is just the results of an empty temple. They've never been filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I am not one that goes around feeling sorry for people, believe me. But I do have a certain amount of sympathy for empty temples. You know, the guy that you just, you know, you know he's uh, maybe a family member or a friend or a co-worker. He's always doing stupid things. He's a nuisance. He's the black sheep of the family. In reality, he's just an empty temple. That's why he's so messed up. He's just an empty temple. Now, this is what we must understand. We all come into this world an empty temple. And we don't have to stay that way, is my point. We don't have to stay that way. We all come into this world incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make us whole. Luke 19 verse 10 says this, it says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I personally believe that it's possible to be religious and still be lost. Now my question to you is this, are you lost? What does it mean to be lost? Well, let me give you some definitions of what it means to be lost. Even though you would consider yourself deeply religious. That you can be deeply, deeply religious and but still lost. Okay, what does it mean to be lost? Well, repetitive sins, can't quit, meaningless life, you know something's missing, compulsivity, addiction, lack of self-control, self-destructive behaviors, unhappiness, lack of joy, lack of purpose, lack of vision. You know, they say insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, expecting your life to change, and yet you keep doing the exact same thing over and over. What does it mean to be lost? Lack, what does it mean to be lost? Lack of fulfillment? Just going through the motion. Waiting for something to happen. Always expecting a miracle that never happens. Lack of peace and contentment. Nothing to believe in, nothing to sink your heart into, uh, into, nothing that satisfies the soul. Are you just another lost religious person? Or are you truly spiritual, a spiritual person, a person who has the Spirit of God? Ephesians 5 and verse 18 says this, it says, and be not drunk with wine where is, wherein is excess. In other words, don't drink until you're drunk. There's nothing wrong with taking a drink. But if you're drinking to the point where you're snockered, you I mean you can't even stand up, that's a problem. That's, a, that's what the Bible would refer to as, as sin. So don't drink to the point of excess, but instead do this. Be filled with the Spirit. There is a way to be filled with the Spirit. Listen to this offer and I'll be right back. 
Is it possible to change the man or the woman in the mirror? And if so, how? Are we simply victims of our past behaviors with no way out of our sins and addictions? Jesus told a woman to go and sin no more. This is real change, no longer a slave to sin. But how is this possible? You were created incomplete, lacking the necessary drive and desire that would cause you to do the right thing. The bottom line is this, you need a second spirit. Man's real problems are spiritual in nature, and the natural man simply cannot solve spiritual problems. How can we know what is right? And how can we have the desire and power to choose what is right? Real change is possible, and the ability to please God is possible, but it is only possible by receiving God's spiritual DNA. Order your free booklet entitled, How You Can Change and Please God. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at is that really in the Bible.net? You see, every endeavor we have pursued, every addiction, every dead end street that we've been down was just a desperate attempt to fill this temple our way. We all come into this world an empty temple, and we desperately try to fill that empty temple with the world and everything the world has to offer. And in a way, you have no say-so over it. The world has so much to offer. I mean, you just look, you watch television, all the stuff that's being advertised. It's so much out there. And so the world says, this is how you fill your temple. Now, if you were living in a third-rate country, a third-world country, poverty, everything that, you know, you, you wouldn't have these options to fill the temple with all this garbage. But because we live in America, you know, land of opportunity, there's so much out there that is advertised for you to fill your temple with. Now, my question is, how, how is that working for you? Does it really work? Because you've been trying it all of your life. You've been trying to do it all of your entire life. My question is, how is it working for you? Are you truly content? Are you truly happy? Are you truly satisfied? 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Notice that. We haven't received the spirit of the world. If the spirit of God dwells in you, you haven't received the spirit of the world. But the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You see, before you made that decision to repent and receive the spirit of God, all you had was the spirit of the world. You were an empty temple and you filled that empty temple with the things of the world. And the world, the spirit of the world says, this is how you can be happy. More material clutter. You know, I, I do jobs on the lake, Smith Mountain Lake, and 
We do work on homes that will blow your mind. I mean, these places are beautiful, and the, they've got, you know, they got the Escalade, they got the Jaguar, the BMW, they got the boats and the speed boats and the houseboats and the decks and the million-dollar home and the million-dollar piece of property. I mean, it's just got all kinds of toys, and, and, and you know, but again, a lot of us think, oh, yeah, that would make me happy. Well, how's it working for you? How's that working for you? You could own the world and still be miserable. Material things do not make us happy. That's the bottom line. So the spirit of the world comes along and says, this is how you can be satisfied sexually. Pornography, sin, whatever, you know, how's that working for you? Uh, this, is how, this is the entertainment that will make you happy. The garbage that is produced by Hollywood. How's that working? Does it really fulfill? Does it really satisfy you ever been to a movie and you come out and you think, why did I even waste my money on that crap? It was terrible. I mean, I can't believe they can come up with a better plot than that. You know? I was watching, he was over at a friend's house and he likes to watch movies. I don't, but we watched Top Gun. I had never watched Top Gun. And I thought, when a movie was over, I thought, okay, the moral of this movie is the guy flies fighter jets, uh, he has sex with a woman, and his best friend dies. That was the moral of the movie. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, can't they come up with anything better than that? He, fights a, he, drive, he flies an airplane, he has sex with a woman, and his best friend dies. Like, okay, all right. How do you make a movie on, on a plot like that? I don't know. <clears throat> but it's just, most of it is just garbage that does not satisfy the inner spirit of a man. The spirit of the world says, this is how you feel good. Drugs, alcohol, how is that working for you? Even when it comes to religion, the world says, this is what you need to do. Get your weekly dose of religion, your 45-minute worship service, and you'll be okay. That doesn't satisfy. Oh, you may be able to deceive yourself into thinking you have a true relationship with God, but that doesn't satisfy. And again, it is insanity. Insanity is when you keep trying the exact same thing over and over. You're on the merry-go-round of life. You're on the merry-go-round of churchianity, let's say. You're on the merry-go-round of life, and you're expecting, you're doing the exact same thing over and over again, but you're expecting something to change. You're expecting a different result, and yet you're doing the exact same thing. Now, the benefit of having the Spirit of God. Let's take a look at this. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. But as it is written, eyes have not seen nor ears heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For the Spirit searches all things. Notice that. Even the deep things of God. You know, if I could take you into a different dimension, if I could take you into God's dimension, the spiritual dimension, and I could show you what God has in store for you, if I could show you the life God wants you to live, the real life God has for you, if I could show you what is coming in your lifetime, the kingdom, the government of God on this earth, compared to, 
compared to the pain and the suffering and all the indecision and how you have wasted the biggest part of your life by trying to fill that temple, that empty temple with the world, you would say, we would say, man, what a fool I've been and how much I have wasted my life. Now, the benefits of having the Spirit of God, Romans 8 and verse 15, says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Yes, we call God Father. And it talks about the spirit of adoption, that God's Spirit unites with your spirit, the spirit in man, and a new creature in Christ starts to develop inside. And there is coming a day when that new creature is going to be born into the family of God at the resurrection. And you talk about something that will blow your mind to even imagine what that's going to be like. To be composed of the same stuff God is composed of. Spirit. It's going to be a fascinating journey indeed. But notice it says says, you have not received the spirit of bondage. What are you in bondage to? What is it that you cannot quit? Can you imagine what freedom would be like? What it would feel like? It says, you've, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. John 8 and verse 36. John 8 and verse 36. It says, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, I don't know what's wearing you down. I don't know the things that you struggle with. It could be a minute, it could be a list a mile long as far as that goes. I mean, I've could be, you know, I've heard of the smoker who, and this was a fascinating story. This is a person in, in the church that I actually told about when he was baptized. He had smoked all of his life. And right before his baptism, he took a cigarette, took a cigarette lighter and threw it away. And his exact words were, after he had been baptized, he said, God took away the desire to smoke. Now, I'm not saying that's the way God always works. Uh, in fact, I don't think that's the way God normally works. But I think he can do that. I think it's possible for God just to take that thing away. But I'm just saying, I don't think that's the way it normally works. What God really wants is for us to develop character by overcoming. And that's tough, you know, because we have to struggle with the things that war against the flesh, the desires that are wrong. I think God wants us to struggle with that so that we can be an overcomer. And in the process of getting the victory over that, there is incredible character that is built inside the man when you are a winner, when you never give up, when you keep trying. So, yeah, God can take it away, but I think for the most part, that's not the way God works. Now, if you want to know more about this, be sure and go to the website, isthatreallyinthebible.net.com.org, and check out the podcast under the podcast called uh, Real Salvation. And I go through a series there of how God really uh, works and how that, what real salvation is all about. A lot of people totally misunderstand it. They think salvation is just eternal life. 
Well, no, there's a lot more to salvation than just receiving eternal life. Real salvation is about the total transformation of the man, the total transformation of your character. In other words, you start here at baptism. Forty years later, you're a totally, completely different person. Totally transformed. That's what real salvation is all about. God has no intention of spending eternity with a pack of losers. He has no intentions of spending eternity with practicing sinners. So what's my point? Well, somewhere along the way, you've got to quit practicing that thing that is destroying your life. So be sure and check, it, check that out. Is that really in the Bible.net under the podcast tab, Real Salvation. Now, if I were to ask you, do you have the Spirit of God? Or are you just another lost religious person? Are you religious or are you a spiritual person? Now, if you say, oh yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual person, then I'm going to assume by you saying that, that you have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you. Now, if you believe that, if you have the Spirit of God, we need to look at this verse that, that I'm going to turn to here. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. It says, Know you not that you are the temple of God. Now, we talked about filling this temple with the Spirit of God. We talked about that most people are an empty temple. And God comes along and says, Don't you understand that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So, Let's understand this. Okay, if you're truly a spiritual person, that means you have the Spirit at one point in your life. You repented of your sin. You accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You went down in the waters of baptism, and you received the Spirit of God. Okay, if that describes you, let's continue on. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 17. If any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now this is ought to give us some concern here. That if any man defiles that temple, now how would we defile the temple? Well, by continuing to live in sin, by being a practicing sinner, by the failure to overcome sin, to defile the temple. Now, it doesn't mean we can't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you fall short many times in your relationship with God. We do fall short, and that's the reason we have grace in our life. That's the reason, you know, that we have grace. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Christ turns to the Father and says, forgive him. He screwed up again, but I know what that's like to resist temptation because Christ was tempted in all areas like we are yet without sin. So Christ turns to the Father and says, forgive him. Okay, we have that forgiveness. But I'm saying, you know, if we continue to uh, uh, defile the temple of God, God's gonna destroy that temple. In other words, what your Bible says is this, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you have the Spirit of God, you need to treat that with the utmost respect 
in your life and to realize how precious that spirit is, that God is through that spirit, through the leadership of that spirit, creating a new creature in Christ. And he expects us to overcome. He expects us to get the victory over our sins. And all of that is possible by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. So indeed, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and that's what's really in your Bible. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.